welcome back to Try Not To Die. I'm your dreamer, Messiah Noah Prito, and I'm here with our lone hero. Lisa Condemi, aka Gorgonzola. Cunic couldn't skewer me, so I'm eating stew with beef. <laughs> I thought you were gonna do something about skewering me because of how much you hate me after last session, but I'm thankful that I was spared. It's more of a simmering resentment. <laughs> it's bubbling now. <laughs> Well, I've got it on the back burner. <laughs> keep it warm. Keep it warm. Because there's a lot still to hate. Um, well, remember, if you're going to meet your family, you gotta hide your sword first. Hey. It's time for the recap. Hey. <laughs> Last time, Gorgonzola met her people, specifically a scavenging group of orcs out looking for the missing goblinoid hunting parties that had left in the days prior. Our hero doesn't know anything about them. Nope. Though she attempted to hide and approach on her own terms, she was caught and immediately brought forward before this intimidating group. They immediately noticed the ancient blade upon her back, reacting with a mix of awe, huh? confusion, and suspicion. Even after coming clean about her name and a bit of her story, the group pressed her to learn more about just how she managed to get a hold of the blade. It's so awkward when you walk into a party and then <sighs> you realize that you have the party's ancestral blade on your back. <laughs> oh, oh. I should have left this in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, she implied that it was given to her by her mother, meaning the tension only strangely grew. Who knows why? Some were pleased that the ancestral weapon had returned, others, not so much. One, a female orc named Kunik was particularly angry, unwilling to admit that Lazana, as she called it, was Zola's to carry. She had not undergone the trials of La Kotora, meaning she was but a child in the eyes of her people, and she had not lived the life they had. Zola held strong, insisting she may not have the same life, but she did endure her own pain that made her who she was now. She managed to win over much of the group, but Kunik, furious at this foreigner, challenged her to Il Taglio, the cutting. Or the knife, if you speak Italian. A formal <laughs> challenge for the title of Stregorede and the ownership of the tusk. It was a grueling combat, one that started with fisticuffs before turning to blades, evenly matched as they brutally battled through the snow and trees. Though Kunik initially had the upper hand, Zola's clever use of spellcasting and the tenacity of the Eye of Grumsh pulled her from unconsciousness long enough to beat her opponent into the ground, literally. The victory hers, Kunik was stripped of her armor, a symbol of her rank, and practically tossed aside to be dealt with by the elder orc healer Pharmus, while Zola was celebrated as a hero. Feeling guilty and a bit saddened at the state of her people, Zola fake partied throughout the evening, curling up by herself when bedtime came to make a few calls. Reaching out to Smite, she let him know a fraction of what was happening, implying that things were not how she expected them to be. He told her he was at least happy and proud of her that she had made it, and wished her luck in finding her mother before our hero finally managed to slip into a slumber. But slumber wasn't exactly what happened, was it, Lisa? No. No, it wasn't. Zola found herself once again in the black void of this in-between realm, a space between spaces, this muffled voice calling out to her. The voice apologized for involving her in whatever was going on, insisting that it now knew what, quote, he wanted and what, quote, they needed to do. As Zola approached, she was barely able to see the flickering, almost fading form of the shard, now toddler-sized and much less erratic. 
As it began to fade, the shard insisted she stay on the path before her and do what needs to be done before leaving her with perhaps the scariest line of all. Do not trust Marfin. He is no friend of magic. <sighs> Unlike in previous visions, Zola found that she did not immediately wake up after such a shock, leaving her standing in this open void for a moment as the doubt began to creep in. Realizing this place was a space between spaces, she used her divination ability to scry through reality on Marfin. The mage was deep in the many rooms of his magnificent menagerie, working in a messy study, tearing through texts and tomes, searching for... something. When Zola reached out, trying to learn what he was doing, asking if he wasn't telling her something, the distressed Marfin rebuffed her. If he had something important to tell her, he would tell her. The shock of the experience finally woke her, revealing that while she slept, her, air quotes, people had put her into her own dimensional shackles. And that is where we are right now. He put the ancestral blade right in between my shoulder blades, Noah. <laughs> it's just out of reach. Uh, you have awoken, hands in chains, to Legio, leader of this squad, standing over you. The rest of the orcs have already awoken and have finished preparing for the day's travel, packing up their things, clearing this campsite. The wargs have been loaded with some of the gear, and all that remains is hauling their new prisoner, the daughter of Mozzarella and wielder of Lasagna the Tusk. Lasagna the Tusk, how fun. Back to Avinash. Kunik stands not far off carrying your bag, any of the items you had left outside of your sleeping bag she now is holding onto. Telegio nods to two orcs nearby, this younger male who had spotted you and another female orc who you know as Mimolette. They come over and begin to pick you up, kind of hauling you to your feet so the bald orc can look you in the eyes, speaking in common to ensure you understand. You are indeed a mighty warrior, and no doubt you are the wielder of the tusk, but Given your heritage, I think the chief will want to speak with you about this complicated situation. For now, while we figure it out, it's best to keep you close. Do you understand? I think Zola is just reeling with the knowledge of everything she just woke up with and waking up and finding herself hoisted to her feet in shackles. She's not even really here right now. Just barely hearing these words. He goes, good. Pats you on the shoulder. Um, turns to the rest of the group as you are continue to be like hauled up. Um, people are beginning to take positions around the wargs. Um, your dimensional shackles are linked now to a thick rope that is then tied to Kunik's waist as she falls in line next to you as your sort of guard. She eyes you with her one good eye, the other completely swollen, closed, and bruised, a fusion of both hatred and despair left in the other. Got a promotion in the middle of the night, huh? She silently regards you. I thought I beat you fair and square last night. You are right. She nods and keeps quiet. Noah, we forgot to mention this in episode, but we have agreed that when I was first spotted by the orcs as I tried to hide, that Stilton fluttered up into the trees and has been waiting for me to recall him back. Yes, he is patiently awaiting you. Um, since no one can disarm me of the tusk, is it fair to say that my um, 
hands are bound together, but the tusk is still, maybe the pommel is in my hands. Let's say, did you fall asleep with it like in its sheath on your back kind of situation? Or were you like holding no, on to it? No, Zola was probably wrapped around it with these people being so interested in it. I think that like, because, okay, it is it is cold out. You were definitely in your sleeping bag. So you were kind of holding it, honestly, in a way that if someone was buried with a sword, they would hold a sword kind of thing. <laughs> um, so when you were like hauled up out of the sleeping bag, like you're still able to hold it. Um, your arm, they didn't take it out of your hands. They left it there. And instinctually, you've been holding on to it this entire time. I meant it before last night. Do you, do you want to hold it for a sec? Check it out? No talking. Telegio calls back to you, and he turns to the rest of the group. No stops today unless you see anything worth picking up along the way. We arrive at Affinage near sundown. And then, he looks to you, and we can find out what is to be done with you. The group begins their march, Kunik quietly beside you, silently brooding aside from the occasional wince as she steps. I would like to cast Detect Thoughts on her. Okay. Detect Thoughts, you... Open up your mind, your divination ability, even more enhanced after your recent trip into the Astral Sea. You begin to hear whispers growing around you, the thoughts of everyone within 30 feet, which is essentially the entire group of people. Oh, I'll make the rounds, though. Uh, you make the rounds. The vast majority of them are... You've got some people who are like very serious about their jobs. You've got some focusing up. They're just already eyes on like watch. A few thoughts of like... What's that over there? You know, these kind of like looking around sort of thoughts. Um, you see a few who are like, this is so exciting. I cannot believe that the task has returned. It's unbelievable. Audrahan will be pleased. And then you shift over to Telegio, who, again, you're only getting surface thoughts here. And he's just like, oh boy, Telegio, what have you gotten yourself into this time? And as you shift away from that and onto Kunik, you hear what can only be described as, like, mental sobbing. There is just this despair, this kind of racing thoughts of, like, I can't, I've lost everything. I, I can't believe I, I'm so foolish. Of course she's the Stegrede. Of course. I can't believe I doubted her. Just... It, this is like a converted individual and is now like the closest they could be. They're, they're inches away from prostrating themselves before you, essentially. It's what seems like is going on in her mind as you guys begin to march into the slightly melted snow of this autumnal morning. Interesting. As I think about my dreams, I am going to roll my portents. Mm. Zola's body and mind is like swelling and surging with magic as just being near the shard for a few moments and that space has gifted her with a level up and also four new spells lots of spells oh man i cannot wait to see what you have chosen but for now Let's roll some encounter checks as you are going to be traveling for just one day, but it's going to be 4d20 since it's about an eight hour journey, not counting like stops and stuff like that. So okay. same rules as before, slightly modified table this time. Just let's do first d20 and then we'll move on from there. A nine. All right. Roll again. A nine. All right. Two more times. 13 and a 9. Okay. 
You continue to march, following this group, Kunik at your side and several other orcs stationed no more than ten feet from you as you and this tightly packed hunting party continue north, weaving through the trees. It seems like your people, maybe they're not as attuned to the landscape as the elves who have lived here for as long as it has existed, but your people are a hardy people. They are a at least tactically minded people. They seem to have a good handle of the navigation. You don't have to be rolling any survival checks. It seems, especially based on your keen mind, that they are heading due north, just following the path. Can I message Kunik? You certainly can. What did he say the chief's name was? She kind of stops for a moment in place. Keep walking. And then, like, puts her head down and Look keeps front, walking. Look front, eyes down. Chief Arjahan. Chief Arjahan. And, um, what's his deal? He is the sacerdote, the voice of Grumsh. Uh, you may you don't seem familiar with our customs, so um, no. think of him as a high priest. Oh, oh, so he's is he a magic user? See, very powerful one. Kunik, do you know what happened to my mother? She looks right back towards you, no subtlety, and communicates mentally do not say her name I am not allowed to speak of it all I can say to you is that the forgotten are not to be remembered sorry about your eye that is the risk of challenging someone as strong as you to Ildaglio I mean you technically brought me down first. Kind of a technicality. In the eyes of Groomsh, victory is victory. It does not matter if there was honor or if it was by a fluke. That is still victory. I'm sorry for disrespecting you. I'm not worthy of your forgiveness, but I hope you will spare me if your title is affirmed by the sacerdote. What do you think that he'll do to me? Her eyes kind of trail over to Telegio, then back to you. I don't know. Based on everything we know about you, I feel it could go either way. Very good or very bad. Sounds familiar. And I'll just break eye contact with her and keep marching along. You keep marching. You and this group traveling for hours. Walking as the sun moves from east to overhead to slowly into the horizon as you begin to approach sundown. You have managed to avoid everything on the encounter table. Whoa. Um, it was the same rules as before, one through five, and then it gets a little bit dicey. But the weather holds... It is actually a surprisingly warm day, your first kind of warm day up here in the north as you begin to follow the landscape as it kind of slowly grows in escalation. After moving quietly for so long, taking few breaks to just honestly like 
at one point you guys pass by what looks to be some more like frozen goblins and gnolls and you see the group kind of pauses to scavenge them but everyone is eating on the road you know you are given some like jerky and some water to nourish you as you continue your march and after moving for so long you are suddenly shocked when you begin to hear the growing noise of commotion no civilization as you crest a snowy hill between these large wilderwinter evergreens you see a valley a long valley where the forest has been completely cleared away and a city of refugees have found their home. Afinash. The city, as you could call it, though perhaps on a first glance it does not look like that, spans much of this valley between these large swaths of forest. Wooden structures packed together and stacked upon themselves, surrounded in this massive palisade, it like it, it's kind of like a log cabin shanty town fortress of a settlement and you see along all of the ridges of this palisade like following the entire length of the city as it is built in a valley which is not necessarily tactically the greatest place you see that essentially there are hundreds of these sort of they almost themselves look like the tusks of an orc um they're like these curving towers that are have these massive like trebuchet sort of catapult devices they have fully fortified this border so much so that like when you're in the city the walls kind of block out the force around you like once you're it's on it reminds you partially of driften because of the fact that it looks like things have been scavenged to be put together <laughs> though driften was perhaps a little bit more organized the most defining feature is this large, easily acre-sized dome in the center of this space that at this distance looks to be covered in large, curved white tusks pointing up towards the sky. Smoke billows from open flames throughout the city. The roads are muddy and uneven. There's no logic to the zoning. My dad would hate it. It's clear that this is a town built from desperation without the guidance of someone who understands urban planning outside of military functions. A town built with only the knowledge of defense and not necessarily the logic or resources for anything else. Despite this, trudging through the muck, you see hundreds, maybe thousands of orcs, half-orcs, men, women, children, going about their days as you've seen in any community. Though much less common, you do see that amongst them there are these mottled brown and white-furred hyena humanoids, which, from your readings of Ambledorf's almanacs, you know are gnolls. Uh, you also see an, a variety of goblinoids, bugbears, hobgoblins, your standard goblins, as well as a few of those blue goblins that you remember. Um, you also see a few giant kin, though many of the giants have clearly left this area because you probably see them from a distance. There are some... Goliaths with alabaster skin and black tattoo-like markings, um, ogres, half-ogres, etc., just trudging along under this ever-darkening sky. As you are let in, the massive wooden gates of this settlement slowly opening as Telegio is signals up to them and you essentially begin this march into this heavily fortified city you see along the streets um most of the commerce is being done in this sort of marketplace that springs up before all of these shack-like houses large roasted beasts on spits like shawarma fill the air with rich pungent flavors and the sounds of arguments and bargaining can be heard all around you 
You see a Knoll stable hand exchanges some coin for a vicious looking warg armored for travel. An orcish weapons maker sharpens some stone arrowheads. A Goliath packs her supplies to close up shop for the evening. You see animals, cows, goats, sheep, storehouses that you just know are being used to process these large generationally cultivated cheeses. Though you can tell life is hard here, it's clear that the people still want to live. Armed soldiers in worn black and green armor pass you by without paying any sort of mind to you, occasionally nodding to um, Telegio and the higher ranking members of this group. You see a number of these rickety towers, not similar to the ones that like line the city, but these seem to be like, oh shit, we ran out of supplies, let's start building them here too. Mm -hmm. um, you have these random like guard towers positioned throughout the city where these various members of the first might, mostly orc, but occasionally, you know, like goblinoid and giantkin armored leading training or actively guarding these locations i kind of raise my hands and everyone like looks panicked like i'm trying to break out my <laughs> manacles but i'm just raising my hands up to pet a cow that passes by <laughs> so it just has a little smile on her face kunik almost goes to pull it but then sees that and lets it go and the cow nuzzles into you Whoa. i know but gives you a little nuzzle as you are not fully tugged, but lightly pulled back into line. As you are walking amongst this kind of entrance and you see that a number of the orcs that you are with kind of split off and begin to kind of take the supplies to various storehouses and merchants, Telegio, Kunik, and Fatimus, that healer, staying with you. You see that there is another orcish group further down, walking down this main boulevard towards that massive domed structure. And they seem to have, looks like three elves in chains. They do not look to be the elves that you have saved, but it is clear that this capturing and bringing them here for whatever purpose is continuing, regardless on whether or not they found the ones you were protecting. Right. Um, as you're kind of lost, looking around at all of this, Telegio puts a hand on your shoulder. Do not get distracted by the way. We head to the card. Um, I shrug off his shoulder. Don't touch my shoulders. Sorry. This rope situation. I'm in manacles, holding my sword, attached to, um... The, the rope. rope is attached to the manacles and the rope is attached to Kunik's belt. Yeah, you guys are like tied together. It's a decently right. thick rope, but it's uh, not yeah. it's not like a it's not a chain. Is Kunik attached to anyone? Kunik is not. It's like if you were if we were standing in formation, Telegio is in front of you leading the way. To your right is Kunik, who is kind of, you know, in charge of you, and then to your left is this older orc woman who is kind of loosely guarding you, but she's not like, she's not chained to you too or anything. Okay. Um, Zola looks at the curd and nods at Telegio. Lead the way. And then I'm going to message Kunik again. Okay. Would you stop me if I tried to get away right now? I don't think I could, but would be hard to get far and who knows you might benefit from meeting with Arjahan uh, Chief Arjahan weird if he approves that you are the Stregorede well how could that be a bad thing for you and I want the approval of a man before whom I'm being brought in chains why 
she looks to Telegio, who at this point has like finished speaking with someone off to the side and is essentially being like, come on, and is signaling for you to follow. She goes, he is mightier than you. I'll trust her. You walk through this first district. You see signs bearing the word way, which is almost like an address, likely the name of this district. Homes, some actual residential structures made of hide, stone, and wood. Others are simply tents and or piles of debris formed into shelter. They line this mucky street where these heavily armored guards um, pretty much oversee the area. Ragged black and green first might banners hanging from the sharpened stones. Storehouses and more guard towers are the largest structures you're seeing here, casting their shadow as the sun continues its descent beneath the horizon. There aren't many formal establishments, and you can see that there's clearly not like an infrastructure here. It's mostly you are responsible for keeping your shit together. A libertarian paradise. <laughs> you see some are just like carts conjoined together, people hawking their wares. Despite the strange and kind of desperate nature of this, you do see there are a number of well-crafted items being sold. Armor and weaponry, colorful clothing, hides, furs, roasted meats, roots and vegetables, and leafy greens. A small band of Noel bards is like playing some tonal drums. An orcish tattoo artist is inside of a hut working on a goblin's tramp stamp. Someone is doing some <laughs> sick piercings. Stables are selling noble elk or vicious wargs as mounts, the latter getting dangerously close to the former. And um, probably the, <laughs> the two most distinct structures that you see along this main avenue are one titled Orcish Connection, Matches made in Grunch's Battle Paradise. Um, and the other one is probably more interesting to you. It looks to be a tavern slash kind of maybe burlesque theater titled Fondumi Dirty. Um, okay. But you are led past... That is of more interest. That is what I knew it would be. Um, you are brought past all of this with your small group, led into the curd. Here, you find that there is a slightly... There's, there is slightly more reverence for the space. Um, but perhaps most interesting before you even arrive is before you, not blocking your entrance per se, but standing between you and the opening that leads into this like a smaller palisade guarded central area, you see this large wooden pole, a Wildewinter Evergreen, easily 12 feet wide, 30 feet tall wooden pole that has been completely cleared of branches and turned into a place to post information, though not on paper. The wood has been slightly scratched with so much writing that the normal cylindrical shape of this trunk has bowed inward, a bit of carving after so much use. Knives have been stuck into the wood and you see a knoll, this hyena folk again, approaches the trunk, claws up to grab a dagger, then uses it to scrape off a crossed out posting, shaving the wood like cheese until it is once again smooth so that they can carve their own news into the wood. Only the center of this post, about eye height for you and other orcs, has been avoided by the many scribbles. That is where the symbol of the first might, the tusk, has been inscribed. And below it seems to be where official decrees of whomever is running this place are being written. Various rules, some of them have been like scratched out, some of them remain. Most of them are written in Orcish, though a few have been translated into like Goblinoid and such. 
you pass by this long dead stump and the simple palisade into the center of this city where you see a muddy plaza where most of the stable infrastructure stands encircling this temple with a familiar style made of hide, wood, and debris, covered in bony tusk-like spikes that curve towards the sky. You can't help but shudder, thinking of Grimsh's Fortress City and how similar the two are. Thick black smoke billows from the center of it, and you realize that this whole city must look like an eye from above. The second settlement you've seen designed this way. The only entrance to this massive temple-like structure seems to be a curtain of bones where black armored guards with long pole arms stand, eyes forward, unflinching. In general, there are far more armored elite folk of all races here, uh, wearing that deep green and black, covering and protecting these fortified buildings. Around the plaza, you see several keeps with varying architectural styles that signal the remaining leaderships of the First Might. One is a simple, though probably the largest of them all, literally a stacked stone style keep that you imagine is maybe the home of like the Goliath, the giant kin leadership, those who remained when the other giants scattered through the tundra to make their own way. The next is for the goblinoids, a rather lopsided, unsteady looking mound of debris at the top of which seems to be a giant effigy of Scram. But no, similar, not exact. This figure, I mean, perhaps it's just the warping of the environment, perhaps it is a design choice, but this looks much more grizzled and the way that the shadows are cast from the light, it is terrifying. Next to that is a scrappy looking kennel covered in furry hides that just must be the home of the Knoll leadership. And then the last notable point, probably like opposite side of you, is what can be only described as a ultimate ninja warrior style arena. It is essentially a bunch of more like boxes and stuff stacked to make bleachers around this obstacle course that is simultaneously both seems like it could be something to be done, but also a place where people are battling. You see like two hobgoblins are dueling it out there. It is interesting to say the least and perhaps a little overwhelming in both positive and negative ways. But what do you feel like Zola is feeling as she walks through this city? I'm walking through the city and thinking about an alternate reality where this is who I was and this is where I lived and I ran down these streets with my orc friends and watched Hobgoblin's duel in mm. the arena um, and then I think Zola thinks that she might have missed all the fields of wheat. You pause for a moment, taking it all in, and Telegio lets you. He doesn't stop you as you stop, and Kunik is forced to as well. You look out at the city, the warm light of the sunset just fading now as the stars begin to take over, taking a breath before Telegio goes, follow me, and turns and leads your small group through this curtain of bones. Past the elite orcish guard, 
you push aside the curtain into this arched entrance and walk through this hall carved from clay and pieces of skeletons, skulls like bricks lining each of the walls with femur bracings. Immediately, you flash back to Groomsh's fortress once more, the bones of his enemies forming the very throne he sat upon, a similar construction emulated here as you walk through this central hall in which others branch off of into this vast circular space which most of the structure consists of. The inside of the Hidebone Dome has been painted with dark orcish runes and pictographs of war, prayers in orcish culminating in a hole in the center of the curved ceiling where the smoke from this massive bonfire billows out from a deep, wide, mucky pit in the center of the room. Within the flames, you see a charred stone obelisk where a few crumbling charcoal black skeletons are still chained sacrifices whose ashes now rise into the ever-chilling autumn winds of the north. Aside from the hallway you entered from, there are two other hallways with similar curtains separating them from this chamber leading away, likely to rooms that are between this space and the outside. Cloaked orcish monks who Telegio informs you are the Lac Potencia Diet, these orcish representatives of the other clans loyal to the chief, they kneel in a circle around this sort of pit where the flame is, is burning from, all in sync doing this throat singing that just echoes throughout the space, resonating in the ossuary, sticking their hands into the ashy mud to trace patterns upon themselves before casting some of it up and around them ceremonially. Opposite you, in deep meditation, is the largest orc you have ever seen. Easily nine feet tall, this hulking, slightly hunched older orc man is wearing thick black furs and matching plate armor engraved with the symbol of the first might behind a single eye that you immediately recognize. He wears what looks like a hollowed out yeti skull as a helm under a furred robe, a hand on this weapon beside him, this black scythe emblazoned with dully glowing green glyphs. His face is covered in red tattoos that are clearly orcish in nature, symbols of Groomsh practically carved into this thick gray-green skin, and over his eyes he wears a black blindfold. Chief Ardrahan, leader of the orcs and the first might, does not move, but as if he has issued a command, Telegio stops before you, your guards following his lead. He then slams the hilt of his scythe down onto the ground, and the space immediately goes silent, the echoes of their chants fading. This hulking cleric turns his head to look towards your group, smiling like a pastor speaking with his parish. May the eye of Groomsh look upon us! The orcs around you respond in unison. May his watch never end. Chief Ardrahan rises, as do the other monks. Welcome, children of Groomsh. What news do you bring from the wilds? Telegio steps aside, revealing you in full. Groomsh has heard our prayers. The tusk has returned. Gasps echo throughout the room, and Arjahan's smile drops into a slack-jawed trance for a moment before he collects himself, an eccentric expression spreading across his face as he gazes across the pit where the sacrificial fire continues to flicker. Approach, little one. Come, let me see you. I kind of look toward Kunik to see if she'll step forward with me. Um, you see Kunik unties the rope from her waist uh, and 
hands it to Taleggio, who then in turn removes it from the chains and ushers you forward to I, walk around the circle, that is. I step forward and uh, when I'm a few feet before him, drop to one of my knees and say, Sasardote, thank you for welcoming me into your home and into your beautiful city. I dreamed of it, but it's more than I could have ever imagined. And I dreamed of you. Child, as you have heard, I am Arjahan, sacerdote of Grumsh, his voice on the material plane. I know I speak for him when I say, despite your human heritage, you are beautiful, made in his image like all of us. Tell me, how did you come to wield this, one of our most sacred artifacts? Before you can answer, Telegio steps beside you. We found her wandering the wood alone. She wasn't upfront at first about how she came to possess it, but we learned that she was given it by... And Ardrahan raises a hand, silence him immediately. Thank you, brother Telegio. I wish to hear the full story from this youngling. But first... Let us remove these shackles. She is no prisoner. She is a hero. And Telegio exchanges nervous glances with Kunik and Farmas. The enchantment essentially kind of responding to him since he was the one clamping them onto you. He like snaps his fingers and you're... They tumble to the ground. Thank you. Chief. Adrahan. I'm very weary from our travels. I'm not used to this hostile environment. Might we sit somewhere comfortably? Maybe with a drink, and I'll regale you with the entire tale. I had the exact thing in mind. Telegio, do you know who this is? Telegio nervously looks to you and then him. It seems impossible, sacerdote, but... Yes, I believe that she and Arjahand nods, kind of cutting him off. And why did you put her in chains? And Telegio, you see, is like visibly sweating now, the heat of the flames perhaps getting to him. I... I told them that I was willingly traveling towards Afanage, but they chained me in my sleep after I proved myself in battle. I merely wanted to ensure that she did not leave with the dusk. She had indeed bonded to it and had defeated Kunik when challenged to Itaglio. She fled because of, you know, her relation to an Arjahan again. In a flash, his hand strikes Telegio across the face, the slap echoing throughout the space. Speak no more, lest Itaglio is invoked against you, and you are reduced to nothing but a grunt, fodder for his great army. Telegio shuts his mouth and steps back as Ardrahan now fully turns and gets probably within about two feet of you now. It's looming over you. It appears against all odds we have a Stregorede in our midst. Gifted this weapon, bonded to it despite not having gone through the many tests of La Cultura, you are a surprise none of us could have predicted. Aside from me, of course. Your presence is a clear sign of Grumsh. 
Arasik is kind of looming over you. He meets you at eye level and removes the black band that is covering his eyes. You see one yellow eye, typical to an orc, and then the other red, exactly like yours. And I see you have been marked. Yes. I've wandered the same halls as you have. The eye of Grumsh is a blessing, my child. It seems that our Lord has had mercy on you, despite the... And he looks to the rest of the group, who looks down as he says this, as if they are trying to give him the respect of not even acknowledging this. Despite the embarrassing failure of your bloodline, like me, you were chosen to ensure his return. And when the time comes, our sacrifice will open the gate, and he will come through and lead us to retake our home and the rest of our deserved land. Forgive me, but I ask that you show the same mercy to Telegio and Farmus and Kunik. I truly believe that Groomsh guided my path here, and if it was with them in chains, then it was what he intended. You see, with a slam of his scythe, the three of them lock into place, frozen, as if under the hold person spell. He goes, Kunik has already been punished enough. In Farmus, you are a valuable cleric of Grumsh. I could never, never hurt you. Taleggio. For now, you are spared by the grace of the Stregorede. You see Taleggio bows and looks to you. I wink. He may have just shit his pants. He's frozen in place. You cannot tell. Ardrahan turns to this altar orc who pretty much almost jumps out of fear um, as he makes gaze with this burning red eye. Go. Spread word of the return of the tusk. Tomorrow, this one will undergo La Kotora officially and her bond to the Holy Blade will be complete. Rejoice, children of Groomsh. His vision is finally possible. Everyone around excitedly begins to talk and rise from their positions as Ardrahan comes to you and goes, Tell me, what is your name? My name is Gorgonzola Parma. A beautiful orcish name with just a hint of human. The only way I would have it if you must include it. Well, as you said, let us go discuss this in my quarters. Preparations will be made for you to stay here at the Chiesa. Thank you. He nods to Taleggio and the others to be off. And you see, as they leave, Kunik passing look looks to you and you see her kind of make a similar hand movement as you have in the past, casting message to you. And she says, It was an honor fight with you and guide you here. May Grumsh bless you. Um, as I'm following the chief into a, a different passage and just passing by her, almost like not even hearing what she says to me, I look at her message back to her, overlapping. I might need your help. 
You have defeated me, so you outrank me. I'll be at fun do me dirty, I guess, drinking off the wounds you inflicted upon me. Okay. They exit out, as do several of the other orcish warriors within here. The monks kind of taking up prayer positions throughout the space and returning to their orcish chanting. You follow the dark, stinking halls of bone and hide, passing by some cloth-covered doorways before finding a thick, dark wooden door. Ardrahan turns the knob, and inside you find a somehow even danker, darker place that smells of rotting meat and incense. The private study of Chief Ardrahan. Um, Now that I've spoken to him a little bit, can I tell if this kind of... Z- smooth talking zealotry seems sincere or not? Give me an insight check. Okay. Twelve. Twelve. He is definitely excited that you are here. And I think that you would read his zeal as authentic in that way. Okay. I think also something that maybe maybe clicks in your head, maybe this in a way confirms that he is being true, that he has made promises that you will live till tomorrow. There's mm-hmm. He's spread word that the Tusk is here and that there is going to be, essentially, La Cotora is going to take place tomorrow right. for you. So even if he has ulterior motives that you can't detect just on this first mm-hmm. kind of reading, you gather that he definitely intends to follow the path he has said. He hasn't said anything yet that is a lie, at right. least to him. I'm just wondering, yeah, how much of this, like insane religiousness Zola is going along with this I think because she senses how maybe unhinged this man is and it's like there's actually no arguing with an unhinged person he definitely has that aura and even those who are loyal and look up to him seem to shrink away from him as he walks to his office you literally see like one of the curtains pulls open and you like a a young orcish woman like is about to step out but then like quickly stumbles back in and closes the curtain as he walks by opening the door to reveal this horrid study the furniture is simple a large desk covered in what looks to be holy books and other sort of religious texts as well as some bones some seem to be ceremonial others that may have just been lunch uh there are also lots of furs and kind of stuffed beasts that are hanging places there's still smoking incense in this intricate looking kind of um almost altar-like structure that has some incense kind of billowing out and swirling from it um he heads towards the back of the room where he begins to rummage through some supplies as he talks never did i think i'd see the day He manages to find something and returns to you with this bottle of dark, viscous liquid, takes out two clay cups, which he places on the desk between you and him, filling them and then pushing one to you as he takes his own and raises it up. His one eye truly does look upon us both. Salud. Salud. He takes a sip. I will also take a sip. It is strong, sweet herbal more more akin to medicine than liquor and i think as you drink it you don't go like oh no i've been poisoned but you do think to yourself this is that top shelf shit that gets you fucked up real fast i gotta be careful okay so you it burns as it goes down but you are able to swallow it um as he gestures to a seat before his desk and takes his own Thank you for your hospitality, Chief Ardrahan. It is 
but a fraction of what I wish for our relationship. When I see you, I see endless potential, but also doubt. I can tell that you bonded with Lazana, but yet I feel your faith lacks. And you see, it's almost, it is almost Sharingan-esque as his eye kind of seems to focus and dilate looking at you. Perhaps a gift of his own from this incredible power. I think what you see is newness and lack of familiarity. You see, I grew up in a humble farming town and barely even heard Grimsha's name before but a couple months ago. And yet, here you are, and here you do know his name. This is the paths of Grumsh. They lead you to where you need to go. <sighs> so, tell me, how did you follow his path? And I guess this is the time for DM Noah to ask, what would you like to share with him and what would you withhold? Because you do not need to go through the entire story and do your best to frame it like you are not including right, certain aspects. For sure. Zola starts pretty close to the beginning. Doesn't mention her mother, but tells Chief Arjahan that she grew up with no orcish guidance or parent to pave her way, that she was the lone half-orc amongst humans who um, sometimes were mocking and belittling, that she found a sword and a set of armor in her cellar one day, was drawn to it, donned them, and set off from her farm knowing only that she needed to find her people and from there I think I tell him that I ran into a goblin a robin's egg goblin who told me a little about life beyond the mountains that I traveled with him by sea, that he was slain and lost in the middle of a harpy battle, that I traveled to the capital seeking passage north. There I enrolled in school at the university and began to carve out my own magical knowledge that I began to have dreams of Grumsh's voice and began to be gifted with divination magic that I eventually made my way north tricked a dwarf into giving me safe passage to the mountains at which point I became somewhat entangled in the affairs of dragons and in a heated battle, lost my life, came face to face with Grumsh, acknowledged my defeat 
and failure was shown mercy and gifted his eye. And from there, I traveled through the woods until I stumbled upon his people. Okay. And I have a question for you, Noah. Yes. You said before that there was a symbol of the tusk and then there was a symbol of an eye below that I recognize. But which eye? It's not the one-eyed smiley face, right? It's not a one-eyed smiley face. Okay. But it is similar in that simplistic design of just being an eye. Interesting. Which, okay. I mean, you are kind of like... I mean, the, you clocked right away. This city also looks like an eye. Right. Maybe it's not like the the socket was literally a circle right. that was had concentric rings. This is elliptical shaped in an eye-like way. But they the resemblance is strange to you, I think. Okay. Um, and as you tell your story, you see Ardrahan listens. He does not interrupt. The only sort of noise that comes from him is the occasional scoff when you talk about how the humans treated you, he looks at you with genuine sympathy. He looks at you as someone who is like, these terrible, terrible people treated you horribly. You deserve to grow up with your people. It is awful that this is what you had to deal with. I also tell him how much I am like, feel like Groomsh placed articles of Orkage heritage in my way that like I grew up around cheese making and um and you know that I have like stumbled into his powers through battle like really kind of hamming it up <laughs> okay give me a deception check okay I will say you can roll with advantage for this because I've been you, schmoozing with him you've been schmoozing and in general I'm saying like you're rolling deception only because of like a few tiny points throughout the whole story if you were I'm telling just, like a, skipping exactly and I'm trying to be really deliberate with what I say to being like and Scram died during a harpy battle <laughs> exactly yeah like he's like oh ter- I will say actually or not the harpy battle it was um the battle with the skeleton orcs sorry yes. guys it's been <laughs> 50 episodes been 50 episodes <laughs> um he nods he when hearing about the orcs he he definitely seems interested in that he definitely seemed interested when you brought up um a goblin who so matched so many of the goblins here let's see give me yeah give me a deception check okay I rolled a 15, but I think that this is important, so I'm going to use my important roll of 18, which will be a 17. I'm not going to tell you what he adds to insight, but I will roll it before you. Okay. It's an 11. Okay. He nods throughout your story, carefully listening. And when you finish, he locks eyes with you. I am... So sorry that you were left behind. You you clearly have undergone your own cultura, your own trials to be the orc that I see before me today. Gub King Shite will find it interesting that there was a, one of his tribe beneath the mountains. So thank you for telling me that. And he, you kind of get a sense that he is scrutinizing your story, though not in a way that is hostile, just in a way that he is taking note of everything that you've said. Chief Arjahan, I have a question, if it's time for questions. Proceed. I'm sure you are aware of what is happening within the walls of the Empire. 
that there are goblins and half-orcs and, well, the people of the first night being captured and disappeared, that they're trying to take us out of their cities. Despicable humans. They are always, always dirt. They are always below us. It is terrible that they have done what they have done to our people. Someday, someday soon, we will march and we will save them. Do not worry. Okay. And I'm part of that plan? Of course. You are the Stregrede. Though I am chief, you would be next in line. It is important to respect tradition and to acknowledge the journey that has brought you here and the clear sign, and he looks at your red eye, that you are meant to lead. I'm grateful that though I was left behind, I've had the chance to find you all. Someone told me once that the forgotten are not to be remembered. Does he react to that? He looks to you and smiles. I suppose it was inevitable. He stands, pouring himself another glass and kind of walking throughout his space, looking at the various artifacts that they have managed to save here, looking at the various tomes and texts and symbols of your kind. Tradition is the core of culture, the center of our people's identity. No, the entire nation's identity of those long spurred by the weak of the world. Our traditions are the truths of our original heritage. And those who refuse to adhere, those who lie and hide the truth, and you see his eyes trace to your armor and then to the tusk. Well, they have no place in any society. I would never break tradition and speak of anyone who has been stricken from history, but I want you to know that I believe in second chances. I believe once actions define them, you may come from another land, but you are still one of us. The failures of the forgotten need not stand in the way of your destiny. Do not run. Do not hide. Join me. Join your family. It doesn't matter that you are half-human. I am proof that those who don't fit in can rise to the top. And as he gestures in that way to you, there is... Give me an insight check. Six. There's something there, but I mean, I think that his hinting at your mother is probably taking prominence in your mind. And he continues. Think of it. The first time the Sacerdote and the Stregorede are united, the will of our god is finally respected by the royal line. 
no longer pushed to the side as a relic, no longer second to the will of a dead goddess who cared not for the children of Grumsh. Together, we could rally our people, conquer the elves, retake our homeland, and bring him back to this realm. He finishes his drink, puts it on the table, and turns to you. Will you stand by my side? I throw back my drink and then prostrate before him on the ground so that I can hide the stinging of my eyes as I have taken one step into Afanage and it feels like two steps away from my mother. He smiles. Ah, Grumsh is truly with us in this Kiesa. We are going to do great things. First, La Cotura. Tomorrow you will fully become one of us. Then, we will march on your home. Okay, we're not counting the, the stuff you said was my cultura? No, that's... I meant that more in a, like, I respect your journey. Okay. Yes, you I definitely... have to do the, the, the obstacle course out there. Yes, that's one part. There's three parts. Okay. It's tradition. I'm a good test taker. I You said you entered into college, so... I mean, I'm not one for the books. That was always Limburger's thing, but... I am happy to have someone of your mind here. Well, perhaps I could teach you as well, not to get ahead of myself, but I sense that there's much you could teach me in the way of battle, and I'm, of course, here to share my magical knowledge with our people. We'll need everything we can get. Rise, Stregrede. Um, I stand up and my burning eye matches his. He looks you in the eye. This. This right here. Do you feel it? I, I feel Grimsh in this Kiesa. Yes, do you feel him? In I the, feel him in I the Kiesa tonight. See, he closes his eyes and is nodding. Do you I, feel him? <laughs> he opens an eye to look at you. I look around like I'm looking to make eye contact with Stilton and then remember that he's not here <laughs> for this and start nodding really hard. Yes, yes, we yes, will. Yes. Together, take Iverholm. Conquer our greatest enemy. Conquer our creator's enemy. We'll use their power to bring his vision to all of Feyfall. You know, you are the spitting image of her. But so much more. I will prepare a bed for you in the Chiesa. Please, Acquaint yourself with the rest of your subjects. Stregrede, may the eye of Grumsh look upon us both. <sighs> I don't even know how to respond. Yes. I agree. That was... an odd way to respond. But... I know that you're just nervous. It's you are so, so going to nail this. I am so excited. Thank ah. you. It's very overwhelming, but I would, I would love to meet my subjects. Please, he gestures to the door. You are free to roam this city. I will have my guards be sure to keep a safe distance so that you feel protected without their presence being overbearing. I know you can take care of yourself. Thank you. 
Kunick knows that, too. <laughs> and she will learn a thousand times over, I'm sure. She'll be there tomorrow at my cultura. All will be there. They will all want to see you. I look forward to it. Now, I must go prepare for the evening's prayers. I will set you up with the bed in... And he gestures down, like, towards where the door is. Down the hallway, there will be one of the rooms available to you. Thank you. Make rooms wash over you. Yes, you will learn the phrases. It is. It changed over time. And his eye you, too. You might remember there is it used to be like in with your spirits. It it's changing. Okay. So and his, and with his eye. Yes, and with his he eye. He shall watch. He okay. shall watch upon us all. I'll check out the city. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> you. I like this guy. Head back out into the hallway. <laughs> the chanting once again filling your ears as you re-enter. This re guy's all right. <laughs> He's okay. He's kind of fun. Um, you see the chanting orcish monks who pay no mind to you. Though you see the altar orc from earlier does look to you and go, and like nervously nods and smiles. I, I give him a little wave and a smile. He goes, and he like falls and prostrates himself, terrified. I'll message him. You what did you say? You worked here long? Uh, he looks around and looks to you. I, I am... I was raised in the church, yes. Oh, what's your name? My name is... I know it. Google of, Jesus. Google, Google Jesus. Jesus, you know you want to. No, I you can know you come up Google with Jesus. my own. My name is Grier. Nice to meet you, Grier. Um, I kind of need a tour around the city. Are you busy right now? Ah... Uh, he looks to the chanting orcs. I... Do you command me? Yeah, I command you to take me around the city and uh, show me what 18-year-olds do for fun. Oh, oh. He collects his, like, <laughs> he's wearing, like, vestments and stuff. He's, like, collecting Come things. Come on, Greer. Oh, yeah, uh, good, I'll carry that. I, <laughs> I take I'm his being candle. called by this nigga right You don't have to tell him. I'm... Okay. Uh, and you guys, I'm taking this guy. You head out. The orcs do not pay you any mind. They continue <laughs> to chant. Um, and you head back out into the city of Avinash. You are in the As soon city. as I heard his little voice, I was like, yeah, I'll take one. Oh, God. I'll take go. one with me. <laughs> Did I have other people in mind for you to have alongside you? Maybe, but not anymore. No, it's Grier now. Grier is here. Uh, you enter back into the city with the stars now overhead. Um, it is quieter in this plaza, though there are a few spots that seem pretty rowdy. You see um, the Gob King's lair seems to be having some sort of perhaps party slash torture session. There's lots of pained yelping and joyous laughter. The gnolls, they're having some sort of argument in their situation. Mm -hmm. The giants are silent, which, you know, I mean, they what do they got to say? Mm -hmm. You see that the city is still awake, though parts of it seem to have shut down at this point. Much more stores are closed. Uh, where are you heading? What would you like to do? Or slash, what do you want to say to Grier <laughs> to lead you? I guess just, you know, if you want to take me around to any hotspots, I think ah. when I walked in, I saw uh, there was like a, I don't know, it looked like a dating cafe. Ah. And there's a... Yes, the matchmaker, yes. A burlesque place oh, I saw. Do me dirty, Are you yes. allowed to go there? I am, but I must keep my eyes closed the entire time. Okay. I don't know what Grim's just cool with. Um, well, you, whatever you say. Yeah. Well, you can close your eyes. I don't want you to be uncomfortable. I will close my eyes for okay. sure. All right. Um, listen, yes. things seem kind of like uh, 
cordoned off here? You guys mix and mingle, or what? Uh, the various uh, leaders of the First Might have quartered off their own land for themselves. It is a compromise of having to have all of our territory crushed together after the right. fleeing. So uh, is all the food farm together, or is everyone really off on their own? There is a uh, few shared resources, but most people must defend for themselves. Uh, I do not know economics, but there is money in exchange for goods and services, you know, standard stuff. Okay. Sorry. Let's go to Burlesque Bar. Okay. I am going to close my eyes once we are getting in, so you will be my eyes. Okay, I will be your eyes. Uh, <laughs> lead the way until it's time for me to lead the way. I will tell you when my eyes are closed. Um, he leads you past this main pole. After, he leads you through the palisade of the inner curd and back into the way past this massive pole where you see the various news of the city has been scrawled. Oh, you, I'll stop and check out the pole. Okay, yeah, sure. Um, you begin to look up and down the pole. How long has this pole been here for, Gruyere? It was one of the last trees left in the city for the purpose of spreading news. So we put the bulletin on there. I post, and you see he points to a part. See, I write the times for mass there. And I put a little Very quote nice. from the Bible, the, the Orc Bible here. Very nice. I've read that one. Yes, he's an very good book. An eye for an eye. That is what it is titled. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, then there is, um, and he is, he's like kind of trying to show you this place, but it is also clear that he's a very sheltered young orc. Right. Um, he's pointing out some things. Here's where Groove blesses the, the cattle with his clouds yes. and with the rain. I'm like, yeah, take me to the burlesque bar. Walk faster. <laughs> uh, in general, you don't see that much information on this poll that you can read without cast and comprehend languages. Oh. But if you want to cast it, perhaps you can learn a bit more. Yeah, I will, I will cast it also so that I can hear the conversations which are assumably going on around me so for the next hour i'll be able to um understand spoken and written orcish okay um and for anyone listening obviously everyone has been speaking in common to gorgonzola i think that when they found out she was below the mountains they were like well she definitely knows common so yeah. you take out the components for comprehend languages and cast the spell as your eyes glow blue and you read what seem to be a variety of news postings. Some are like wanted things, like posters for criminals. Some are um, a like ads, for lack of a better word, for certain businesses. Some are just various news bulletins or like the goings on of the elves. You see, there's a large section dedicated to like hunting elves and like lo like there's some sketches of like lands on there. Perhaps most distinct at the very top of the pole, there is, it looks like there's been a, there's a place where something has been like, like a hole has been like stabbed there essentially. Mm -hmm. Like it's like someone, it, and based on just looking at it, it kind of looks like it's been stabbed multiple times. Like it, nothing's left in there, but there, the entry point is slightly widened and there's like a crack kind of spreading from it as if someone has attacked it almost. What's up with that hole? Ah, that... And he, like, bows his head. That is when someone is exiled, they must stab their sword into their, or their weapon of choice, and then they leave. Hmm. And then we take the weapon, and we usually, we 
either destroy it or remake it into another weapon for someone else to use. Don't tell anyone I told you that. Does I'm that happen a lot? I, I, I don't know. No. N- no. Are you lying to me? Uh, yes. No. Let's go to the burlesque bar. Yes. <laughs> uh, you are led out into the way um, and up to Fondue Me Dirty. Perhaps one of the most populated and most dilapidated of the structures within <laughs> Affinage, this air quotes tavern, if you can call it that, is practically a frat house. It reminds you a bit of Driften in the sense that there are multiple wooden stacks stacked upon each other. Torchlight illuminates the wooden sign nailed over the practically collapsing door frame, allowing you to read the establishment's full name, Fondumi Dirty. Its outer walls have been heavily graffitied in a variety of languages, which, thanks to cast and comprehend <laughs> languages, you can see are mostly people writing swears and slurs and jokes about people's mother and dicks and just just graffiti of all. Very crude, inappropriate sort of comments to be making. But it seems like that is part of the art of this building. People are, like, actively doing it, and guards are like, <laughs> laughing at it as well. So it seems normalized to graffiti this building. All of the different types of people that live in the city are crowding around the front and inside. You see that there are like gnolls and goblins and orcs and a few of those goliaths. And you do see like a hill giant like drunkenly like kind of push the door frame up a little bit and then you see it pff, falls back into place. The whole building kind of shifting uncomfortably for a moment before you like pff, Lumbers by and goes, <laughs> You're small. <laughs> <laughs> You're big. Cool. <laughs> High five. High five. Ah! <laughs> 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 Slammed into the ground. And then he stumbles off in the direction of the curd. Um, you head inside following the chaos uh and again similar to the grotto and on driften there are people packed in here dancing drinking eating smoking playing games and occasionally brawling you watch a goblin try and steal from the pocket of an ogre who without thinking backhands him and sends him flying crashing through a window behind the bar is a female half-orc with a with black hair that is striped with silver strands. She wears leather, almost armor-like clothing with the sleeves cut to show her heavily tattooed arms depicting what looks like your home. Scenes from the region that you're from. The Wildewarm Wood, the Mara Emara, the hills outside what is now Padawick and what was then Komaji. Ornate orcish designs that seem almost fractal in nature. She serves ice-cold, murky liquor clearly made from the local foliage in this area in these mugs that she passes to eager patrons who down them tossing a copper or something useful to trade onto the counter before returning to their foolishness some of those non-coin offerings are hung on the walls trinkets that decorate this place in a way that reminds you of an antique store but also a bar and you also see because it would be not a burlesque theater without it that on the far wall there is a large stage that at the moment is currently being overrun by various people who are drinking and having a good time but perhaps if there was a show going on would be empty so you walk in and at this point um you're like marveling at all this and you feel a hand like grasp at your your side and you look at the secret blindly covering his eyes and goes I, we are here now, so if you want to have a good time, I 
Enjoy yourself. No, Gruyere, you gotta take a load off and sit with me for a little bit. Can you drink, man? Ah, uh, yes, uh, we can all drink, but I... Great! Uh... <laughs> I am gonna grab him and... I'm a lightweight! <laughs> um, I'll try and pull him into kind of like a corner, like two stools or something that's kind of like not so like out in the middle of the open of the bar. I've got the tusk on me. Are people like staring at me or have I gone kind of unnoticed? Right now, it is kind of crazy enough that people aren't taking mind. But as you say that, there are a few orcs who occasionally like look over and they squint their eyes looking and tilting their heads as if they sort of recognize it. But they're like, no, that's... That's impossible. And ultimately, you figure that word has not yet spread right. of what is going on. But the fact that you are with a acolyte of Groomsh means that you do kind of have enough weight to be thrown around that at, when you approach like a corner, you see Gleir goes, he's still covering his eyes. If you do not mind, my friend needs a seat and and is like blindly reaching out and they look to him, they look to you <laughs> and then just go, Sure, and this knoll goes. <laughs> I shrug, like I don't know what he's on about either. <laughs> he's drunk. Uh, I gotta get some him a seat and some water. These two knolls just look at each other and go, yeah, whatever, and then hop up and get to work. <laughs> That's what they sound like. Okay. <laughs> the knolls are gonna have a variety of accents, <laughs> okay. folks. Get ready. Um, so you take a seat in the kind of corner of this crowded bar. What's the strongest liquor here? Um, there's, uh, there is. Uh, I will go ask. <laughs> stumbles through the, the crowd off and you are kind of left in this corner for a moment. Is there anything you want to do while you have a moment alone? Um, or are you just going to wait for your drink and then um, and then wait for future events? Um, sitting here um, waiting for Gruyere to get back with our drinks, um, I'm kind of just going to very casually take out my sending stone like I'm kind of flipping through it and then just like raise it to my mouth like I'm like sending someone a voice memo. And I will die on Marfin real quick. Roll and a d20 seven. for me first. Okay. Seven. Okay. Go ahead. You know everything about me, and I know nothing about you. How old are you? What's your last name? I can't trust you if you won't be honest with me. And I'll put my sending stone back in my pocket. If you were to wait, you would hear, Hi, I'm sorry. I can't come to the phone right now. I think I hear the hi, and I just, <laughs> just put, put it, like, yeah. literally, close it, put it in. And then, like, look back casually like I was doing nothing and wait for Greer with the drinks. You managed, I'll say that it's busy enough in here that you don't have to really roll a check, and those speaking stones aren't necessarily common. There mm -hmm. is just enough going on, and there's enough insanity that people aren't really paying too much mind to you. After a few moments, you see stumbling through the crowd, holding, holding, a tankard and then a very small like it's like sake cup essentially <laughs> Grier kind of is like trying to muscle his way through I do not know where you are I'm right here I sit him down and I will take the smaller beverage out of his hand and leave him with the tankard drink up that's water I need that okay. <laughs> I drink the water and uh... <laughs> this is the strong drink you want to show me good time right uh, yes, of course. Then let's drink. Uh, he pours some of the tankard into the small cup that you've taken from him and goes, Salud. Bottoms up, salud. Um, and begins to drink. All right. I'm going to have him roll a constitution saving throw. Good. He rolls a three. What, what were you going to say? 
Um, I'm, I'm just gonna start kind of chatting him up and getting him kind of comfortable, like asking. About, so you ever seen you ever seen any kind of shows here? Or? <laughs> oh no, I don't come here because I I'm overwhelmed by it. Oh yeah, no, I get that. Lot of dancing and costumes. Right, right. Then the gnolls get up on there and really, really do a show. The gnolls are too wild for me. Their yelping is a little disturbing. I bet they are. And then I will message him and say, You know what happened to mozzarella. Are you doing anything else besides... I'm talking out loud to him, like, laughing about, like, the burlesque shows and the knolls and and messaging him, just saying, you know about mozzarella. He drops the tankard from his hands. It spills. Can I catch it? Yeah, give me a slight hand check. It's a DC 10, I'll say. 13. 13. You you barely catch it. He's tipsy. He's definitely (laughs) fucked up. But at the same exact time, when you say mozzarella in his mind he freezes and his eyes open for the first time in this bar and he looks to you do not do not say her name it's okay remember i'm the striker right eh? give me an intimidation check with advantage 13 all you have to say is one word Is she dead or alive? He looks out towards the street where the guards are just 20, 30 feet away. Don't look at the guards. Look at me. Or actually, keep your eyes closed. He closes his eyes. You don't even have to say it out loud. You just have to think one word. Dead or alive. And then we'll walk out of the burlesque bar. You'll go back to the Chiesa. And I'll keep doing tourist things. Ah. And at that moment, you see Kunik walks in to the tavern. And looks around. She, as at this point, has gotten healed a little bit. Probably by Pharmas, maybe taking mercy on her. Some of her wounds are pretty much stitched up and gone you see that her tusk is still chipped um she still has a pretty swollen eye but all in all she looks much better and she kind of looks around um i'll have her make a perception check for you are you trying to be stealthy like you want to keep hidden for now or do you think that you don't care if she sees you i think i know that she's probably going to spot me and comes toward me also because we spoke about potentially you know her being here but i think i would like to if I can, in this moment, seeing her enter and realizing that I'm probably running out of one-on-one time with Gruyere, um, cast a tech thoughts and see if he's thinking it without wanting to think it. You know what I mean? I... Like, if me giving him one option if his surface thoughts would be one of those words. You giving him those options, you speaking in his head, flexing this power, he is panicked actually so you will have to dive deeper what is he what is the save it is a wisdom 18 my dc has gone up he rolled high but not high enough to beat that with his bonus he only rolled he rolled a 15 plus 2 so 17 
you push past the clouds of whispers and panic like you can't no we're not supposed to talk about this no no and then you press deeper and you you see him clutch his head knowing that you are boring into his mind and you see an image a woman tall thick red hair no longer carrying a weapon or armor only a simple pack of a few items as she walks out into the snow into the Wildwinter Wood I think you should get back to the Kesa. he is shaking at this point and he looks at you fear in his eyes hey he stands and rushes out of the building and the commotion does draw the attention of Kunik, who notices you and gives you a nod and then approaches the bar and begins talking with the bartender ordering a drink i will um wait there for her and i pick up gruyere's forgotten pint and start sipping at it mulling over the image of my mother in my head and wondering how did the tusk get to Battlewick? You sit there thinking of this, sipping on what can only be described as a vodka Red Bull, if we're going to be honest. Like, that is <laughs> oh, the kind these of, are my people. This is the vibe that you're getting. <laughs> um, as you wait for her to finish getting her drink, um, Kunik indeed does get a similar drink to yours, and then turns and kind of weakly muscles her way through it unlike you where people were kind of recognizing your authority and the fact that you were with an acolyte even those who didn't don't recognize the tusk were like mm-hmm. oh, i gotta get the fuck out of this girl's way they are not respecting her as much you see that she's like many of us in a bar <laughs> trying to just shove her way through while trying not to spill her drink until eventually she is before you and she stands as you sit and she goes Kunik. It is good to see you. I trust that your meeting with the sacerdote went well. It was good. It was a nice switch to messaging her. Overwhelming. Won't you have a seat? We could share a drink. If you wish it, I will. Yes, I wish for us to sit together and have a drink. She sits and begins to sip her drink with you. We kind of got off to a rocky start. I'm sorry that I, uh... You owe me no apology. No. If you're gonna be all, um, you know, respectful and stuff, then just let me talk and apologize to you. I'm sorry that I was disrespectful. To be honest, I was shocked I guess when you picture something your whole life picture meeting your people meeting your family and then they slit to your throat it stings may I speak please don't ask me that yeah, yes you both nod for a second. <laughs> yeah, all right. uh, I do not know why you are being so kind to me, but 
I appreciate it and can say that it was not always like this. You, you're 21. Do you remember it being any different? Maybe my first memories are the travel north, but it was, at least according to my parents, different, kinder, still respectful of strength, but acknowledging that it comes in many forms. I have fought to prove my worth and prove my strength, which is why I took such a strong stance against you. A mistake, for sure. You are clearly worthy of your blade, and I'm sorry for my disrespect of you and your journey. I might have done the same thing. I kind of did the same thing. Tell me, has Chief Arjahad been the chief your entire life? What was his ascent to status like? She looks around. Again, the crowds are still loud, cheers, drinking. She looks back to you, quiet. As far as I can remember, he was the chief. But I... You can see that she really does not want to talk about Mozzarella or any sort of past before then. She continues trying to remain vague enough. <sighs> he has been chief for my whole life. And he became chief when the previous one shirked their responsibilities. To put it in the least detail I could, I suppose. I I mean, I'm, we're not supposed to talk about it. By what threat? By whose threat? Ardran, by the law of the Church of Grumsh, it is, if someone is forgotten, there's nothing to say. And if I were to say something, or if someone were to find out, I would certainly lose my life, since I've already lost all my standing, and I would be denied the glory of an afterlife with Grumsh. I've been there. Groomsha's afterlife. She looks to you shocked. Mouth agape. It smells like sweat. And I tip back my liquor and then stand up from the chair. She takes a drink as well. Are, are you leaving? She says out loud. Unless there's something better to do here, I figure I have much of the city to see. Did you want to accompany me? Uh, y that might be a good idea considering your guide looks a bit lost and you see um, having still kept his eyes closed Greer has wandered throughout this building um, and has somehow got himself trapped into what looks like some sort of card game he's like I cannot see the cards I don't want to open my eyes <laughs> <laughs> I, all in? 
very unsure. Can I try? Can I see someone else's cards and try to message him what someone else's uh, flush looks like? Yeah, you see that uh, you kind of add, like you do like a small round with Kunik behind you before you leave, <laughs> kind of just taking it all in. And all across from you has got a, <laughs> a straight aces. <laughs> yeah, you see that um, he has an incredible. He's a royal flush, and everyone else at the table is bluffing. Here, put put it down. Put it down. I fold. No. <laughs> um, as I am passing by, though, I will reach one more time into his mind and say, I'm sorry, Greer, to make you uncomfortable, but speak not of our conversation. Oh, yeah. So long as you do not. Uh, yeah. Enjoy the show. And then you hear the... Just like the lead-in music. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, orcs, goblins of Alka, as you two leave from Fondue Me Dirty and enter back into the ever-quieting streets of Affinage. Um, Kunik looks to you and looks around at the various guards who, at this point, have heard word and are eyes locked on you and the tusk. But... They do not say a single word. They keep. They are a lot like the guard outside of Buckingham Palace in that they are stoic and basically statues, aside from the fact that they could attack at any moment. But they cannot hide the fact that their eyes immediately track onto you and the tusk when you exit. It's literally just like they're stoically standing there, their eyes dart to you and then back forward again. I know we just left. I kind of have an idea. Name it. You up to watch a show? Uh, always. Okay. I'll head back inside to fondue me dirty. Okay. You head back in and the show has begun. Okay, what's going on up there? <laughs> you see five knolls flanking what looks to be Three goblins stacked on top of each other fit into a potato sack-esque cocktail dress. They are heavily made up, (laughs) though only the top hasn't done well. The rest have clearly kind of... It kind of, just from the quick glance at them, you get the vibe that they fought over who was going to be the top tonight. Um, And this goblin won out. Um, And as they're on top, you see the other... Um, Knowles are like striking poses and um, sexily, as sexily as a hyena can, um, stripping off various garments as these goblins in three-part harmony. <laughs> what? They're singing. They are indeed Sandra singing. Sandra's sisters. <laughs> <laughs> they are singing. I will dub in whatever music that sounds like, but it is undeniably scary as they are singing in three-part harmony slightly dissonantly and casually they're wearing an obscene amount of clothing on top of this cocktail dress and they are taking their time taking it all off and you see the crowd is loving it they are freaking the fuck out screaming and cheering as the performance continues we have brothels in paddlewick but nothing quite like this brothels are uh, a little formal for afinash people do that kind of thing, but uh, this is perhaps the most structured version of anything of the performing 
body arts, so to speak. <laughs> I'm realizing that this is the closest to drag that I'm gonna get in Emeralio. <laughs> it is the closest to drag. Zola has a hard get. time tearing her eyes away from the goblins. For some reason, they're scary, but she just loves them. And Once, <laughs> twice, three times, a lady. <laughs> just absolutely tearing it up. The crowd is. You see, there is a w- clearly well-off orc who is just tearing off jewelry and tossing it at this beautiful three goblinoid woman's feet um just piling coins and various like crocus little winter flowers being thrown before her um i think i will uh enjoy the arts for a little bit and make my way to the bar with kunik and then when there's been like a little bit of a break in the show, maybe like an intermission or if like they're getting changed in between acts or something, I would like to turn to the bartender and say, how much would it be to buy a round for everyone in this room? She looks to you. Oh, um, uh, and you see she talks with a fluid common accent, clearly having spent a lot of time down south. Um, a round is something good, uh, not the cheap shit. Um, wow, we haven't dealt in large coin amounts for that for in a long time. Um, uh, maybe 50 gold? Just 50 gold? A uh, hundred gold, actually. She she reconsiders quickly <laughs> looking around. Yeah, it's, I missed a few people. A hundred gold. <laughs> okay, a hundred gold. Around for everybody. On the Stregorade! And I will slam the tusk into the counter and throw a bag of gold down. The, to- the coins... Ding, 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 tingle out onto the counter. Silence takes the room as all turn to regard Stregrede Gorgonzola. Well, are you going to drink or not? And that's where we'll end our session tonight. Much more positive ending than the last one, folks. Is our friendship restored? I will find out after this. <laughs> well, we're going to talk quietly. <laughs> Um, holding each other's hands for an hour. <laughs> yes! <laughs> well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Try Not to Die. Thank you especially to our Eldritch patrons. If you would like to become an Eldritch patron, go to patreon.com slash try not to die pod. Um, again, I don't know how many times I got to say this. We are $47 away from having to write a musical episode. Which, Help. by the way, will be at least an hour, which by Broadway standards, is a one-act show. So I am promising a lot in doing this. $5, and you're going to get a one-act show one of these Come days, on, guys. just a handful of you <laughs> will get a one-act show for literally the price of a cup of coffee 25 times. So, you know... <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and we do pay in dimes here. And we do pay in dimes. Uh, so... Thank you for listening. Definitely go check out our Patreon. We got lots of cool stuff up. The July content surge is coming, and it will feature a very special guest. Oh, the Ju- and the June the content, content surge was out of this wacky world. Wacky AF, but we are already in July. It's happening. We are here, and, and I'm so excited for the content surge this month. I'm very special excited. guest. Special guest. Special guest. Special guest. Well, it's Matt Mercer. It's Ma- it's Brennan Mulligan. All right, Matt guys. Mercer. <laughs> um, you Lisa, gotta. Do you have any plugs? Do you have anything else? Oh man. I'm plugging our show, baby. Please tell a friend. 
send send it out send yeah. it send it send it Take send it bro send it, <laughs> send um, it bro if we you could episode. yeah we recap episode now we're trying to get um our website settled with full arc recaps and stuff so um tell a friend you know sum up the show for them and get them in on episode you know 20 or something yeah. like get them in there get them in there i mean seriously there are so there are tons of great starting points you could start at the start of every arc you could start at chapter i think 18 which is where we have where scram is captured you have a big shard moment there they'll be exposed to that there's so many great spots so spread the word i guess um and grassroots, baby. grassroots that's how we're making our that's how we're making this baby <laughs> um i guess any last minute plugs um uh you know what i'll just end with saying be careful out there stay safe obviously i mean every single time we post an episode i'm like stay safe love each other because it just feels like the things world are getting keeps crazier. getting worse so uh, i guess you know do whatever you can support each other Yell at your senators. Yell at your senators. Yell at your senators. Demand that they strong arm the government. <laughs> Report Ben Shapiro on Twitter every day, just every like I do. Every day, yes. There's plenty. And um, um, Jordan Peterson, as I call him, because <laughs> I refuse to say his full name. Anyways, so <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Until next time, try not to die. All hail our Eldritch patrons. Especially Anita, Ashley, Becca B, Colleen, Eclair, Elana, Emily, Jacob, James, Joey, Kate, Leo, May, Morgan, Nat, Nicola, Paige, Roni, Sahara, and of course, our producer Patty, Patrick Branstetter, and producer Daddies, Becca Mount, and Rose Evelyn Campbell. We thank you for these podcasting powers and promise to raise hell in your names. Till next time, try not to die.